thoughts and my words. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and everyone say amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. amen. And you may be seated. In our text this morning, the Apostle Peter uses a unique pairing of words to describe why God has given us what he describes as exceeding, great, and precious promises. These exceedingly great and precious promises are numerous. But for the sake of time today, I want to draw your attention to just a few of them. Perhaps the most well-known promise of God is the promise of the Holy Ghost. In the book of Luke chapter 24 and 49, Jesus tells his disciples of this promise. And he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Luke will later reiterate these words in Acts chapter 1 and 4 after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he will say, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. And as you all know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, several weeks after the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it says that they were all assembled in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were all sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues. The people that witnessed other people receiving the Holy Ghost begin to clamor and say that they were drunken. The apostle Peter responded with the words, these are not drunk as you suppose. Amen. But they are filled with the Spirit. This is the promise, amen, that Jesus had made to us. And in Acts chapter 2 and 38, he sums it all up by saying, amen, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But listen to what he says next. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. Can I tell you that the promise of the Holy Ghost is a precious, exceedingly great promise of God. Amen. I am here to tell you today that God is still fulfilling this promise. God is still delivering this promise. Uh, God is still making good on this promise. Amen. These altars have seen people get the Holy Ghost. Amen. For the first time we have seen children receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. And we have even had people in just the last few weeks such as Brother Arvin, praise God, who was praying at home. Amen. Ardently seeking God and was suddenly baptized with the Spirit as the Scripture says. I'm telling you these are exceeding great promises hallelujah can you give God a hand clap of praise and those of you who have received the promise, you know that what happens is you will begin to speak in other tongues. Uh, amen. It is still happening just like the Bible says. This is an exceeding great precious promise of God. 
But God has made us other promises as well, just as significant. There is the promise of his coming, praise God, or of his return, I should say. In 2 Peter chapter 3, 4 through 9, he begins to address internal scoffers that have risen within the church. And he says that these people are beginning to say, where is the promise of his coming? Amen. And in 9, he retorts by saying, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Praise God. I'm here to preach to you that Jesus will return. I'm here to preach to you that there are several prophecies in scripture regarding his return that have never been possible other than now. It has never been possible for a world war until now. It has never been possible to mark people in their hand and in their forehead until now. Thank you, Elon Musk. Amen. But we are heading towards the return of Jesus Christ. But the apostle Peter was not referencing how sinners saw the return of the Lord and the scoffing of the return of the Lord. He was addressing the internal, the church people that begin to lose faith and begin to become mockers and scoffers of the return of Jesus Christ. He did not expect the world to live with an awareness of this, but he fully expected the church to live with a conviction of this. And I just want to preach to you for a few seconds that the real struggle, amen, to believe in the return of the Lord is within. Jesus himself said that in the last days there will be wicked servants that rise up and begin to say, my Lord delays his coming. I want this church to know and to understand Jesus is coming unexpectedly. Praise God. I said Jesus is coming unexpectedly. Amen. I, I made a big deal about communion this year. Amen. Because I believe that Jesus is coming unexpectedly. Amen. And I believe that people need to get their hearts right. And I believe that people need to partake in foot washing and in the supper of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You got to get yourself ready, folks. Praise God. Amen. I said you got to get yourself ready. And anybody that is telling you that Jesus is not coming eminently, unexpectedly, praise God is doing you a disservice uh, and these are the people that you need to mark and avoid for this is a precious and exceeding great promise of God. I hope I'm not the only one that's tired of living. Amen. In a COVID filled world. I hope I'm not the only one that's tired. Amen. Hallelujah. Of living in a world full of toil trial and trouble. Praise God. I hope I'm not the only one that's tired of living in a body. Praise God. That's limited, hindered. Amen. And so fragile and weak. I hope I'm not the only one that's tired, amen, of living in the struggle. I hope that you are with me this morning when I say I want Jesus to come back. I'm looking for Jesus to come back. It is an exceeding great precious promise of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, praise God. Come on, let's magnify Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, the Holy Ghost is in the house this morning. Oh, praise God. Amen. 
Amen. This is, these are important things we are talking about this morning. Praise God. In fact, the apostle Peter is very uh, careful to use the word precious promises. As far as the writings of Peter are concerned, the only time he uses that word precious is when he is referring to stones and metals. Amen. That have been crafted and used as jewelry. Praise God. And he is saying these are those types of promises. Amen. They are promises that have been through the fire. There are promise, these are promises that have risen. Amen. From the muck and the mire of scoffers and mockers praise God and have arisen as precious jewels in the hands of the church amen these are exceeding precious promises amen God wants you to treat these things you know I used to work at a bank and let me tell you every so often there'd be a little old lady or a little old man that would come and ask for access praise God to the big vaulted room amen and there was a few times amen I got to see people with precious diamonds jewels watches praise God and they'd put that inside of their their that that, that big vaulted room they treated it with with great care. In fact, we both had to be in there. There had to be a handler. Praise God, there had to be accountability. Amen. These are the kinds of promises that we're talking about. God wants you to guard these things with your life. God wants you to have you an accountability partner to make sure that you can take part of these exceedingly great and precious promises of God. Give God a hand, praise. Hallelujah. Oh, we're not done preaching about the promises of God. Amen. There is a promise of life in Christ. Life in Christ. In 1 Timothy 1 and 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. When Paul is writing this, he is inside of a prison for the second time, and he is facing certain execution. And to this certain execution and to this prison sentence, he writes to Timothy in his letter and in the opening remarks, he says, I have a promise of life in Christ Jesus. That's King James English. Let me tell you what he is saying in modern English. Amen. I have a promise of life. Praise God. You think I have, amen, a death sentence, but I actually have a life promise. Praise God. I'm not afraid of what might happen to me because I will not die and just go in the dirt. I will not die and have no idea where I'm going. I will not just perish and be lost into smithereens. I have a promise of life in Christ Jesus and therefore I go about life boldly and therefore I know that I'm going to arrive where God tells me I'm going to be and I know, praise God, that if God is for me, nobody can be against me. Amen. And I know, praise God, that come on. I know that the person who holds my life in their hands is not the executioner. It's not the Roman guards. Amen. It's not. It's not false brethren. It's not the people that tried to stone me and leave me for dead. The person that holds my life in their hands is Jesus Christ. And this is a promise. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I feel like there are a few people throughout this congregation that you have received precious promises from God, perhaps in prayer, perhaps while you've been fasting, perhaps on a day when you weren't so spiritual and you were just driving down the street yelling on your way to work and all of a 
a sudden the Holy Ghost showed you something about your future. Amen. And I came to tell you that until that comes to pass, uh, ain't nothing going to stop you. And still, until that comes to pass, nobody's going to drop you. Until that comes to pass, there's not an army. Amen. There's not a disease. There's not a sickness. Uh, amen. That can take you out. Amen. I didn't say it won't touch you. I didn't say it won't hurt you. I didn't say you won't be scared. But I did come to tell you that you have a promise of life in Christ Jesus. And that word will come to pass. And that vision, I'm preaching to somebody right now. And that vision will come to pass. If God gave you a dream of you at a church with your children praying through, that dream's coming to pass. Cancer can't stop it. Diabetes can't stop it. The government can't stop it. COVID can't stop it. This is an exceeding precious promise of God. If God has made you a promise, uh, amen, hallelujah, that you are going to be somewhere at a particular time, that promise will come to pass. Uh, if God has made you a promise that you will get married, hold on to that promise. You will get married. Uh, if God has made you a promise, uh, amen, that you have a ministry, hold on to God. Uh, that ministry will come to fruition. God is not a man that he should lie, and he has made us precious and exceeding great promises. Come on, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's praise God. Oh, praise him for his promise. Hallelujah. I am speaking to somebody right now that even as I preach, you are starting to get worried about something. And God has asked me to ask you to weigh your fear against the vision you've had. There are people here and don't feel bad if this has never happened to you. It will happen to you. But I am telling you there are people in this congregation that know for beyond the shadow of a doubt that there was a prayer meeting. There was a moment. There was a time where I was in the spirit and I saw this and it was me. And I haven't seen that come to pass yet. And I know that it was God. And I know that it was the Holy Ghost. And I know it was a promise from God to me. I came to tell you that that is going to come to pass. You may show up limping. You may show up on one leg with one arm. You might show up crawling. But you're going to get there. And don't you let the devil tell you otherwise. Come on. Somebody really needs to receive that right now. Oh, hallelujah, because you're worried about all kinds of stuff. And God said, I made you a promise so you wouldn't be worried right now. I made you a promise. Oh, come on. Oh, let's praise Jesus. Let's praise Jesus. Let's praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm feeling pretty excited right now. But that's actually not what I came to preach about. Embedded into every promise God makes is this simple message I want to preach to you today. And it's one that many Christians are losing sight of every day. And it's a message that popular Christianity doesn't even want to address. And it is this. Every promise God makes and then delivers on is done so with the expectation that we would partake 
of his divine nature and escape the chaos and the corruption of this world. It is frightening to think how often this simple truth flies over so many people's heads. I can't tell you how many times myself and others that I have witnessed will stand up and testify that God's miracles have showed them how much he loves them, how much he forgives them, how he's never forgotten about them, how good he is, how merciful he is. But when's the last time you ever heard somebody get up and say that the miracle God performed has showed them that they need to forsake the world and quit living in sin? I don't care if God heals your arm or pays a bill you didn't have the money for. He might have done that for a whole lot of reasons, a myriad of reasons. But don't you ever forget that in every promise God performs, embedded into that promise is the expectation that you would hate the world more and love him more. That you would hate sin more and walk in the spirit more. That you would forsake sin and accept your savior. That you would turn your back on wickedness and embrace righteousness hey friend I came to tell you that God is good but he's good to get you out of sin God didn't save you amen so that you would stay in sin and there's not a miracle in your life that God has ever done I don't care if it's the Holy Ghost or healing you in your body everything he has ever done for you that has a supernatural marker on it was done with the expectation amen that you would escape the wickedness the corruption and the lust of this world it was God's way of saying stick with me and forsake the world walk with me and turn your back on sin walk with me and come out from among them and be ye separate every miracle God has ever done has been done with an expectation that the recipient would partake of what the scripture calls divine nature amen what is divine nature divine nature is the nature that resists the corruption of the world uh, that's been brought about through lust uh, because all that's in the world uh, is the lust of the eyes uh, and the lust of the flesh uh, and the pride of life uh, amen you might think there's a good time waiting for you out there uh, you might think amen that the world still has something to offer you uh, everything that this world has uh, amen is is the result and, 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 and the byproduct, amen, of lust. And if you get yourself into the world, you're going to find out that they want to devour you. They want to eat you up. They want to take your purity. They want to take your sanity. They want to take your peace. They want to take your marriage. They want to consume, amen, and take. Jesus said that Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen. I hope I'm preaching to some people that know that this world ain't worth living in. I hope I'm preaching to some people that know now, amen, more than ever before, that this world is not where you are supposed to be living, and sin is not where you belong. Come on, somebody. These are the reasons that God makes exceed. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise God for just a few seconds. The scripture says that he has given us these promises that we might become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, not everybody 
or everything has the divine nature. It ha you have to become a partaker. It's not just an automatic. You have to partake in it. You, you, have, to, you have to accept it. You, you, you have to... Listen, there are a lot of people that believe that there are millions of things in this world that reveal the divine nature of God. There are people that believe that nature has the divine nature of God. That animals have the divine nature of God. Some people go as far as to believe that God is in everything. The scripture says that we, humans, might be partakers of the divine nature of God. You are the only thing on this planet that can partake of the divine nature of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the way God encourages you and tantalizes you, and if I could use the term, and I use it loosely, if the, the way God tempts you to come and partake of his divine nature is by doing miracles in your life. He'll do miracles in your life. He'll be good to you. He'll, he'll do amazing and incredible things that you personally know that was God. That was God. Many of you are in church today because God did something incredible and amazing in your life. Amen. And the, the proper response to his miracle is to forsake sin. Is to forsake. I am tired. I am, I am so tired of, 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 of the church saying that their sin, praise God, is, is, is a miracle of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I am so tired. Let me tell you, God does miracles to take us out of sin. Amen. Your sin, amen, is not a miracle. Praise God. Your sin is your problem. Your sin is a mess. Amen. And God does miracles to get you out of the mess. Praise God. God does miracles to get you. I, I, have, I have heard the most absurd things. Praise God. In my lifetime in living for God. Oh, pastor, I did this and I ended up here. And I, and I, and I ran off with this person and I did that. And I could see now that that was all God. That was not all God. That was not all God. God saving you from that, amen, self-destruction. That was God, amen. But let me tell you, God didn't do it so you could go back to it. God didn't do a miracle so you could go back to the mess, amen. God did a miracle so you'd finally say, I get the picture, I get the message, I get the signal. I'm leaving this world and I'm never looking back. I'm not drinking, I'm not smoking, I'm not sleeping around, I'm not going back to the world, and I'm not dressing like the people that do those things either. I'm coming out, I'm coming out, I'm coming out. Amen. Because I realize that God has been doing these things in my life. Amen. Hallelujah. To show me that this way is not right. Praise God. Somebody praise God. Woo! Oh, let's praise Jesus right now. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. 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 I want to talk I want to talk to our, 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 our people raised in church and those of you who have perhaps been in church for a long time. Th this is a little complicated because a lot of times kids raised in church, people raised in church, uh, don't always know when they're, when they're actually living in sin. When sinners are living in sin, it's rather obvious. But a lot of times... A lot of times people raised in church don't realize 
that they can exercise the same behaviors as people in the world, minus drugs, minus alcohol. What, what, what a lot of church people sometimes don't understand, and I'm not picking on church people. I'm actually here to help church people. I love church people. I love, I love the camp. Praise God. But I, but, I, but I have to help the camp get woke. Praise God. Because a lot of times what you don't realize is you are exercising the same manipulation tactics, the same thinking, the same speech, the same attitude, the same devices, minus the drugs, minus the alcohol, in some cases even minus the fornication. I know girls with, with nice little buns and long skirts, amen, that cannot stop gossiping to save their life. Praise God. I know young men that have never drank, done drugs, amen, they go swimming in jeans and long sleeve shirts. Praise God. And they have some of the most twisted, amen, hallelujah, and warped minds, amen, of anybody I've ever met. Praise God. And I'm not here to insult or attack anybody, but I am here to let you know Praise God that there is a way of living. There is a way of thinking. Praise God that must take on divine nature. Amen. You must seek God for this. Amen. Hallelujah. You church kids, listen to me. You raised in church. You are privileged. You are blessed. Amen. But let me tell you, you have a set of behaviors that were gifted to you amen by the people who live for god before you you have good habits you have certain amen hallelujah things that have been embedded into you praise god but those things alone amen hallelujah are not divine nature they are they are a model and an example they're a template of divine nature and so you still have to as a church raised kid get on your knees and pray and say search my heart oh god and see if there be any wicked way in me search my heart oh god and uh, come on somebody amen oh i'm preaching to somebody right now amen you still have to amen hallelujah hallelujah come on somebody Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm not sure that I would do this to anybody except Sister Esther. Praise God. Here, here it goes. Sister Esther, forgive me. But we was giving Sister Esther a ride home the other night. And uh, she was telling me about a professor she has that he's not Pentecostal. But, but for his, what was it, his thesis, uh, he, he, did, he did a thesis on Pentecostalism. Because he recognized uh, man, Pentecostalism is like taking over. We are part of the takeover. Gloria a Dios. Praise God. Welcome to the takeover. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. This is a hostile takeover. We are taking over buildings. We are taking over churches. We are taking over musicians, preachers, choirs. Praise God. We are taking over. Praise God. It's just that's the way it's going to be. Because God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. God is taking over El Salvador, Mexico, China, Brazil, Africa. God is taking over, people. I said God is taking over. Amen. But he made them write a paper on deviance. And Esther said, I don't know what to write about deviance. I've never been deviant. <laughs> now... When you were raised in an apostolic Pentecostal, yes, you are never deviant. If your mom is a Latino, you are extra not deviant. Praise God. You are not allowed to be deviant in a Latin, Hispanic, Pentecostal woman's home. You could be deviant outside, but when, it come, when you come home, you drop the deviance. Praise God. Praise God, because there is la chancla. Praise God. If you don't know what that is, Google it. Praise God. Amen. But I said all that to say this. 
that having never been deviant, there's been more than one service that I'm certain Sister Esther has come in here because I watched her and search her heart and cry and weep and, and, and search her heart for whatever might be wrong in her life. Praise God and ask God to forgive her. She doesn't let, amen, the fact that she hasn't lived in, in, by the social, by, by, by society's definition of deviancy. If deviance for you is don't talk back to your mother, then so be it. But you have to search your heart. Don't, don't, church people, don't judge yourself by out there. Don't look at the newspaper and say, well, you know, I haven't done any mass murders or shootings lately. I'm good. That's, that's not how you judge yourself. That's not how, that's not how we examine ourselves. The way we examine ourselves is by getting in the spirit. We get in the spirit and we allow the spirit to move and maneuver with liberty. Amen. Hallelujah. We allow God to search our heart and God might reveal to you. Amen. That little Instagram crush you've been having ain't right. Quit stalking. Praise God. God might reveal to you. Quit talking. Praise God. God might reveal to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't wear that. God might reveal to you. Praise God. Amen. Those friends are not right for you. God may reveal to you. Praise God. You can't be there. You can't say that. You can't go there. You must be more respectful. You, you have high expectations. Praise God. There are kids here. Praise God. There are church folk here. Praise God. You have seen God do miracles in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Saving you. Amen. Saving you. Amen. From horrible situations. And he did it all. Amen. So that you too would escape the corruption and the lust of this world. Praise God. You, Amen. I'm just telling you right now. Praise God. Just because you're, you're saved doesn't mean you stop seeking your heart. Just because you're saved. Praise God. Doesn't mean you stop searching the interiors of your mind and your spirit. Praise God for things that are not right. Praise God for speech that is not right, for clothing that is not right. Praise God for attitudes that are not right. Praise God for relationships that are not right. Praise God. Come on, somebody. Amen. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and just pray for a few seconds. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm almost done. I promise. I, I'm not going to preach long. Praise God. God delivered Israel out of Egypt. That was a promise made to Abraham in Genesis 17, I believe. He told him, your descendants will be in bondage and captivity for 400 years, and I will deliver them. That was a promise. That was an exceeding precious promise. And God made that promise to Israel. And he delivered on it. He, that splitting of the Red Sea was a promise. That crossing of the Red Sea was a promise. When they got into the wilderness, the manna from heaven, that was a promise. Praise God. Being healed from snake bites, that was a promise. Praise God. These exceeding and great precious promises that God made all throughout the book of Numbers. Praise God. Bundled into all of those promises was an expectation that the miracles would result in them loathing sin. And wanting to be less like the Egyptians. The deliverance from Egypt. And the miracles in the wilderness 
was God's way of inviting them to partake of divine nature instead of Egyptian culture. I want you to consider, and I, I only have time to go through two of these. You only have time for me to go through two of these. The miracles Jesus performed in the Gospels. There is the miracle of the pool at Bethsaida, where there is a man who was lame. He was disabled. He could not walk. And Jesus approaches this man. And the man tells Jesus that he has nobody to help him. And Jesus says, help is on the way. Get up, take up your stretcher, walk. The man does it. A miracle. A miracle. But listen to what Jesus says to this man in John 5 and 14 a few days later. Because the guy is just excited about what Jesus has done in his life. And now, now the man is running around the church shouting. And it says, afterwards, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more. Lest a worse thing come on you. Jesus is telling him, you're healed, buddy. And you know why I healed you? Not so that you could walk with your stretcher, but so that you could walk out of the world. So that you could walk out of sin. And don't ever, don't you ever, I healed those feet. And they're still pointing forward. So don't ever make them go backwards. I healed you. So that you would never live in sin again. And if you go back, you're going to get double trouble. You're going to get double trouble. And I just feel like the Holy Ghost is throwing a stake in the ground at East Bay Bible Fellowship with all of us, beginning with me, and saying, you need to walk in the expectation of the miracle. And the expectation is that I saved you from car crashes, from overdoses, from, amen, from harmful situations, from destructive relationships, amen, from, from sickness and disease, so that you would never go back to sin, so that you would stop patty-caking with the world, so that you would stop entertaining worldly spirits. And I am asking you now to walk straight and never walk back. Don't, come on somebody, never walk back. Don't walk to that man. Don't walk back to that man. Don't walk back to that woman. Don't go back to that website. Don't go back to that page. Don't go, don't go back to that drinking. Don't go back to that drugging. Don't go back to those pills. Don't go back to that way. Walk right. Walk right. Let something worse come upon you. Walk right. And you know, sometimes the miracles aren't just physical because I know there are some people here, you, you could probably honestly say, I have never experienced an actual physical miracle. Um, that, you, don't, you know, that is, not, that is not a standard of Christianity. But you know what everybody here has experienced? A miracle of mercy. Somebody said, 
miracle of mercy? Yes. Yes. Because some of us actually know it's a miracle that we do not condemn ourselves. Mercy is a miracle. It, I understand that this is not everybody's story. But for some of us, the story is I could not forgive myself. In John 8, three chapters later, they catch a woman in adultery. They catch a woman in adultery, and they drag her to the feet of Jesus. And you know what? It was a setup. It was a setup, because they didn't drag the man. It couldn't have been adultery unless he was married. They drag the woman, and they throw her at the feet of Jesus. And they say, what should we do with her? The law says we should stone her. Jesus says, in so many words, law says we should stone you too. So whoever has no sin, throw the first rock. And the Bible says that from the oldest to the youngest, they all dropped their rocks, and they left. Side, side sermon here. I would have stayed. They all left, and you know what? They left unforgiven, and they left condemned. They should have stuck around with the woman they were condemning because they would have got what she got. Because Jesus asked her, where are thine accusers? She said, I have none. He said, neither do I accuse you. And listen to what he says in John 8 and 11. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. This miracle of mercy... Was done with the expectation that you would never go back to that man's house. And I am preaching more accurately in somebody's life than, than most of us know. That you would never go back to that man's house. Don't ever call that man. She, she could have said it was a setup. He's just as bad. Don't you know I'm lonely? Don't you know I need this? Don't you know, amen, I've been single for so long. He said, I'm telling you, woman. Go your way and sin no more. I am preaching to somebody today. I don't know who. I kind of wish I did. Not to embarrass you, but to plead with you. Come out of that relationship. Don't flirt with that man. Don't talk to that man. Don't invite him back into your life. I don't care what the excuse is, what the problem is. Hey, guess what? I, I'm going to now, I'm going to zero in. And I know this is where stuff gets touchy. This is where pastors sometimes lose a sheep. I am now preaching to only the women. There are men. There are men who will tell you, I want to go to church. I want to go to church. I want to go to church. You've already told them, leave me alone. This relationship's over. I, I go to church. You don't go to church. We're not doing this. And no, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. What church you go to? I'll go. 
I'll go. That is not how we win souls around here. But I am specifically, I am specifically targeting something that you need to understand. God has been very good to you. He has been very kind and he has done miraculous things in your life. There are people here that have testimonies they won't even tell me. You know, there's the give me the mic testimony and then, then there's the, this is a private testimony. We all have a few of those. Where God just did stuff. Where you didn't think he was going to do stuff. Some of y'all have that. God sent pastor today to tell you, don't go back. No U-turns. No U-turns. Don't go back. Lest the worst thing come on you. Stay out. Stay away. I know this is not a complicated message. I'm done preaching. I don't know who the musician is for this wonderful morning. Praise God. We're going to get right. We're going to get right. You know, they say that, we all say it, God sits on his throne in heaven. He does. He sits on a throne. In fact, Revelations 4.2 says, I saw one sitting on the throne. If I could take some liberty here, could I tell you that, yes, he sits on the throne, but it's on the edge of his throne. It's on the edge of his seat, waiting for a sinner to repent. Waiting for somebody to forsake sin. Because the scripture says that there is celebrations in heaven when one sinner, just one, not even 10 or 20 or 1,000, one repents. And I can't imagine the joy in heaven when one of his children, one of his own, says, I'm coming back home. I'm coming back home. Yes. I'm telling you, the road back home begins in the heart. And this morning, with nothing more than two lifted hands, Just tell Jesus, I'm coming home. And I'm not going back. And I thank you for the exceeding, precious, great promises you've made me. And today...